Welcome to your transformation station. station. Socrates once wrote, The secret of change is to focus all of your energy, not on fighting the old, but on building the new. It's time to rediscover your true identity and purpose on this planet. Together, we can transform our community one topic at a time. From groundbreaking performers, making their elixir your dose of reality, your transformation arc. This is your transformation station, and this is your host, Greg Favaza. that liked and shared our latest Facebook post on YTS, the podcast. If you guys aren't following it, definitely check it out. I try to stay actively engaged. Facebook shout out, Sarah Beth Patton, Leon Brown, Gary Brandt, Sherry Kestrop, Travis Sell, and Stephen Driscoll. I appreciate you guys. Today's guest generated over a thousand voiceovers since 1996 business owner and entrepreneur you guys will probably be familiar with him if you listen to his podcast jmbo weekly primer he's the primetime guy yes mr jim mccarthy He marinates your mind with the good stuff. And this is what this episode is all about. We are marinating our mind with all his knowledge and wisdom to help us become successful. This is universal knowledge. We share universal knowledge where it can be applied not just to podcasting and voiceovers. The timeliness of getting this interview is just spot on with everybody being stuck at home to thinking about starting a podcast or even thinking they got what it takes to be in the voiceover business. This episode will help you derive meaning in your passions to help serve others. Personally, I'm grateful for Jim giving us his time to provide us with his insight to becoming better individuals. Which I already start implementing on your transformation station with my witty dry humor for your entertainment, useful and relevant action items, or who knows, but I want to impact you with this world of information overload. And lastly, let you know, there are good people out there. This is episode 10. Now let's get into it. Jim, I really appreciate you coming on to your transformation station. How you doing today? I'm doing great, my man. How you doing? I appreciate you taking the invite and getting on the show. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for thanks for having me. I've all whenever I get an invite for a podcast, I, I, I'm very grateful and I don't take it lightly. 
I'm, I'm just like a sponge and so are my listeners. We all just want to learn and absorb and take everybody's trials and errors and apply it to surpassing our expectations. Of course. That's how we learn. Better that somebody else do it the hard way. <laughs> exactly. You know? So I'm very curious and I'm sure my listeners are, but could mm-hmm. you tell us, kind of give us a snapshot of your latest work? Since I've been doing some research and I seen that you did some voiceover work for GMC, the Cardone zone. Yeah. <clears throat> a lot of my stuff is um, as of late has been podcasts and podcasting. Um, <clears throat> whether it's producing intros or actually producing podcasts, it's a big part of uh, my background overall being in radio for so many years. Um, and ultimately what I've discovered is that, you know, what I do is still very relevant, especially today because in radio, that's a lot of what I did was um, production behind the scenes, voiceovers, things of that nature. And either working with talent or being the talent or producing it, Um, it's just something I've always done and, uh, I just found other facets and adjustments to do that today. Um, but not all, not having to be in radio anymore. So that's been kind of a a win for me. Whereas I have a lot of friends that are still in radio, still trying to make it work and, you know, good for them. And we'll see how that plays out. That's kind of the gist of it. But as of late, it's been a lot of podcasting, um, uh, like I said, either producing the intros, the outros, or consulting on how people can be better at podcasting and uh, things of that nature. I should probably come up with a better elevator speech. That was that was kind of poor. No, no, you're okay. We can always <laughs> redo it, whatever you no, want. No, 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 that was fine. That was fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of uh, in-the-moment stuff, you know? I'm the same way and uh, kind of a little nervous. Usually I don't get this nervous. That's why I'm like glowing bright red right now. What are you nervous about? <laughs> yeah, um, I just don't want to feel like an idiot, you know. <laughs> Dude, we're all idiots. It's okay. I that, it's, the day, it's the day we, uh, real, when you're green, you grow. When you're ripe, you rot, man. I like that. I really do. It makes a lot of sense. So not that we should all be idiots, but, you know, just uh, <laughs> acknowledge the fact. It's, it's okay to be humble. Yes, sir. Even though Brad Lee would probably disagree with me, but it's okay to be humble. Jesus was humble. So, so you've been podcasting, you've been doing voiceovers. That's, mm-hmm. that's been your bread and butter is the voiceover work during that time. Specifically, what were some difficulties that we would need to deal with in the production industry? If one of our listeners wants to go down this field, um, difficulties are always, getting started. How do I get recorded? How do I get it all on the different platforms if they're not savvy in those areas? But ultimately it always comes down to how do I get it out in front of more eyes and ears? Um, That's the biggest difficulty. Once you've solved all the problems that you can really control. Um, Once you get beyond the problems you can control, like, you know, attracting the ears and the eyes, that's kind of the, the mythology in, in anything that we do is, you know, and especially in a permission-based marketing environment like podcasting, well, like even radio, um, you know, the gatekeepers in radio were there because they wanted to identify the talent that could generate an audience that could then in turn be big enough to generate revenue via selling advertising. 
Um, and the reason why those gatekeepers were in place is because they had the knack of seeing diamonds in the rough with people, uh, being able to shine up those diamonds, being able to nurture the talent into something much bigger and better. But now those gatekeepers have been taken away. So everybody who's ever thought they've wanted a radio show is now able to do it. So yes. they can go ahead and, and set themselves up a podcast. That's, that's essentially, you know, let's take away the terminology of podcast. It's a radio show. <clears throat> this is a new form of entertainment. And when people start putting it out there, um, I've seen, you know, pretty unreasonable expectations that, well, I have 20 episodes out, but I've only got like, you know, five or 10 downloads per episode. Cause it's your friends and family. Mm-hmm. Well, in a radio sense, you've done a radio show for about a month. Okay. Cause if, you know, somebody is putting together a morning show, which is, you know, t- typically more content heavy, a little bit more talk based with people who know what they're doing with somewhat of a built in audience from the radio station, 20 days into a radio show or 20 episodes into a podcast are much different. You know, radio, you're doing it every single day. Um, you're getting called into air check sessions with your boss, the program director to make sure the audience is being served. Um, what I coach people on and what I consult with people are, uh, are you making it listener centric? Is it them centric? It is not about you yet. And that's, I think probably one of the biggest hurdles for people to get over yes. is the fact that you're putting out a podcast. You, Hey, I've got a podcast. It's all about me. No one cares about you at this point. Okay. You need to grow that relationship to where they get to the point that they do care about who you are. All right. When I tell people in the beginning of Howard Stern's career, he would integrate a lot of his personal life on, into his on-air persona, but it wasn't until he was captivating and compelling enough to hold an audience. One of the one of the best parts of his movie that he put out in 1996, if you haven't seen it, it's called Private Parts. When he decides to really put everything on the line and be, be himself and ask the questions to his guests that, you know, other people are thinking he would actually verbalize the questions. Okay. Was that he would, he started polarizing his audience. That's not a bad thing. Nobody wants to listen to vanilla content. I want to hear an opinion. I want to hear why you believe in your opinion. Um, and typically at one point in the movie, <clears throat> the management of the radio station where he is currently in the movie at, uh, in Washington, D.C., they ask, well, they're upset because they're losing clientele. They're losing advertisers. But at the same time, they're getting more other advertisers that they've been, they've been trying to get on. So there's a little bit more of a transfer and a shift that's happening on his show. And I said, well, what about the ratings? Well, okay, let's look at the ratings. People that like him listen for, you know, an average of two and a half hours. Reason most commonly given, I want to hear what he'll say next. But what about the people who don't like him? Well, that's funny. They listen for an average of three and a half hours. Reason most commonly given, I want to hear what he'll say next. (laughs) Okay. So I work with clientele who want to play Switzerland. They want to be nice. You know, I have a couple of clients that are starting to get it and really um, putting their opinions about their industry out there, but it's a work in progress and it takes a little bit of chutzpah 
to to kind of go that way and be opinionated. There are a lot of voices out there that are somewhat motivational and inspirational. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's kind of wearing thin. Um, yes. So it's time to, you know, the reason why Cardone is so popular is because he's willing, he puts a lot of polarizing opinions out there. He does outrageous things. All right. The recent thing that he did where he, you know, cut his hair down and talked about how he was getting, going bankrupt was an attention getter. It pissed some people off and it won some people's more of their uh, adoration for him. The guy knows what he's doing. All right. He's 62 years old. He's been doing this a long time. He understands what gets attention and what doesn't. All right. And whether you like him or hate him, you're still talking about him. All right. That's interesting. He, uh, he was, he, he was on Jordan Belfort. You know who Jordan Belfort is the Wolf of Wall Street. Yes, sir. He was on his show. I don't know, two or three months ago. It was a fireworks cage match of a show. And it was absolutely incredible to listen to, to hear these heavyweight egos in the same room. One of which who made his fortune and his fame, honestly, through a movie. And the other who just had 30, who's got 35 years of hard knocks experience of figuring it out. And Jordan challenged him on some things and Cardone probably didn't handle it the, the best way, but Jordan kept on talking about that interview. I think he's probably 10 or even 15 interviews past that show. He's still bringing it up. All right. I don't care what, what it did for Cardone or not. He still wins in that, in that scenario. So when you're starting out uh, to answer your question, I know this is a long winded answer. No, I enjoy it. Go ahead. The, the biggest difficulty is being not shocking, but believing in your message enough to put it all on the line that you may isolate and polarize people that if, if at the end of the day, your podcast is to generate business, you have to get past that line of, am I really going to say what I think or am I going to play it safe? If you're going to say what you think and put your opinions out there, you are going to gather a community, people who believe the same way you do. If you play it safe, you are not going to gain that much of an audience. No one wants to, wants to listen to safe. You know, when hard truths, that's why it works for Vaynerchuk. He believes in, in what he believes and it resonates with a lot of people and has been for the past 10 years. That's the secret ingredient. And it's tough to wrap your mind around it when you're putting a podcast out there. Um, and the other thing is that, you know, understand that you're going up against a lot of other voices out there. Now that the gatekeepers have been taken away, the cost of entry has been lowered. Everybody can have a podcast now. The noise has increased significantly. So that's the other thing. What I tell my clients, you've got to give me at least two to three years of producing this. And you got to understand it's going to take at least one show a week at the minimum to start getting some traction on this. Of course. You know, let's go back. So what makes somebody that has a good influencer is having a defined philosophy that breaks somebody's autopilot and they're structured around refined morals and values. Are you talking about the definition of an influencer? As far as 
what we need today. It's somebody that can push through this crowd of people that just want to start a podcast, that just want to start doing voiceovers. Mm-hmm. How, how does somebody rise out of this crowd of people that just want to try it out like a new year's res- resolutionist kind of thing? Um, how do you differentiate yourself so that others notice? Yes. Okay. There it's, you know, you got to find out what your true North is, your North star. Um, what do you believe about what you do? And you don't have to have it all solved and put together right from the get go. I think you at least have to have a modicum of an understanding of what a small part of your belief system is. And then as you talk it through, as you do after, you know, multiple episodes or voiceovers or things of that nature, it starts to develop itself. Um, After 20 some odd years of doing voiceover, I tried to be a lot of different things to a lot of different pe- people, but I, now I understand <clears throat> where my center is, but it took me a long time to quote unquote, no pun intended, find my voice. Um, your voice over time is going to age and change. Uh, this is for anybody who's looking to get into voiceover. A lot of people get into voiceover because they've been told that they have a great voice. Um, doesn't mean they know how to use it. So I coach a lot of people with, very good timbers of voice, people that could be sopranos, they could be, you know, altos, very, you know, people that gargle with razor blades. But that doesn't mean a damn thing if you don't know how to use it, if you don't know how to read copy, if you don't know how to make something that is otherwise benign and uh, boring, jump off the page. Um, and I s- struggle with it today myself. Listening back, finding the, the different nuances that I could have done differently, but also understanding that this is my voice. It's my God given gift, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I'll do with it. I'll make do with it the best I possibly can. I'm not Don LaFontaine or any of these big movie trailer voices by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I think ultimately is first of all, like I said, discovering that one piece of DNA that is special. It could be the way you work with your clients. It could be the way you price yourself. It could be the way you sound. Um, Honestly, putting out your mistakes and little blooper reels could get you a lot of attention uh, for when you actually do have something that's worthy of a gem. You can certainly put that out there and that gets attention as much as the bloopers do. So people get introduced to your voice. Um, you got to think of it from the point of view as you're scrolling through your phone, what are the things that get you to stop scrolling and engage with a post or an article or a conversation being had? And are you doing the same? What is it? What are your posts about really analyzing those and making sure that everything in the beginning is them centric. I have a, I have a saying that I always put out there. It's called be them centric. It's not about you until it is about you. Until they make it about you. In the beginning, Vaynerchuk did not put out stuff to make himself, you know, big. He learned, he understood what his DNA was. Then he started talking. 
Then he started putting out his truths. He built an audience, and now it's more about him. And it's still about what he puts out there. He's still very them-centric with his audience, but his audience sees him as the alpha male in that space. And, you know, not everybody can be a rock star, man. That's, that's just another truth you got to realize and accept. Mm-hmm. Howard Stern will still own that category and that word in the mind of the prospect of being, the, you know, the shock jock of shock jocks over the past 30 years. Don Imus came in a close second. Then you got other guys that most people have never even heard of. You have your Opie and Anthony's, your Don and Mike's, your Tom Likas. Uh, you probably never heard of these people, right? No, we've sir. all heard about we've all heard of Howard Stern. Of course, it's undoubt it's it's undeniable. Ryan Seacrest, what did he capitalize on? He's not a shock jock. He's a host. He's safe. He's vanilla. He's still famous, <clears throat> but he's got some sort of entertainment factor, it factor that makes him entertaining and compelling. You know. I put out a podcast. I know I'm not exactly the most compelling person out there. I'm more, most entertaining. Maybe I am. I don't know. But I do it for fun. That's my background. Keeps me sharp. And that's why I do it. And my, my podcast, my podcast is the antithesis of everything I talk about because it's a cobbler's shoes scenario. I'm too busy working on everybody else's podcast. <laughs> yeah. Which is fine. That's how I get paid. So. I don't know if that's it. Does that answer your question? Oh, it does. I, you just have me thinking like everything you're saying is just gold and thank you. I'm really absorbing it. And I know my audience will be doing the exact same. Right. Um, as, as far as placing others first, that was a key factor in my military career when mm-hmm. I was a sergeant and I had soldiers below me. I don't always place the welfare, their welfare first over the accomplishment of the mission. And then would show by the time we accomplish the mission, just how more effective we are, more in tune, the camaraderie, everything just rolls together nicely versus the other way around, placing the mission first, then the welfare. It's funny. I was in the car business for a spell and uh, it was explained to me that there are two types of managers, a manager that everyone will take a bullet for, and a manager that will get shot by friendly fire. And I'm not sure. Have you seen the movie Gladiator? It's 20th anniversary just recently passed. It's been a while, but I have seen yeah. it. If you look at the beginning of that movie, the general, the Spaniard, Russell Crowe's character, mm-hmm. he's exactly what you're describing. You know, he's in the mix with his guys, they look up to him. They know that he cares for them. They can feel it intrinsically. It's not just words on a page. They genuinely feel it from him as he's with them on the front lines, making sure that they're tending to their wounds. He's, you know, touching them, embracing them. It's not just a surface level. Hey, PR, look at me and look what I'm doing. He's there in the dirt with them. He's there fighting with them. You know, that says a lot from a leader type of uh, scenario. And that's why, you know, when you, when you treat people that way and you build a tribe and they look up to you like that, you can accomplish a lot of stuff. It's amazing what you be able to accomplish. Hey Jim, I, I do apologize. I have sure. uh, the 
tree guys are the people cutting the grass <clears throat> in the background. It's, okay. it's picking it right up. It's all right. I, I barely hear any. I've got guys doing it outside my uh, place too. Maybe that's what you're hearing. Oh no, they, they're definitely right now. They they're definitely are. outside. <laughs> It's all good, man. Nothing has to be perfect. Yes, sir. That's, and that's my biggest problem is I just get stuck in analysis paralysis mm-hmm. because I want to deliver the best content that I can. I just really had to take a look at myself is I can't make everything perfect. It's just nope. not, it's not possible. And perfection is not profitable. How so? It's just not because you're going to, you're, if you're going to overwhelm yourself with trying to make everything as perfect as possible and in a world that expects authenticity, when something is put together too perfectly, I call BS. All right. Yeah. Um, I'd rather see your, your, your warts and all. I'd rather see your battle wounds, your scars, because then I can relate to you. All right. Some of my clients want to come off as perfect as possible. They've got to be look right and be all well put together. And that's their style and that's their thing. I get it. But there is a faction of people that is growing that people's BS meters are way too highly attuned than they have been for the past 20, 25 years. Nothing will get by them. If you're coming off way too perfect, they're going to see it. All right. Some of the biggest voices out there, in the business space, in the influencer space, whether it's marketing and, and you know what I'm talking about, the alpha males, the Vaynerchucks, the Cardones, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Jordan Belforts, they're not perfect people. They put their warts and all on display. All right, Cardone is extremely imperfect. imperfect. He does the whole Vaynerchuk thing of document over, well, I'm not, he does it to a certain extent. Vaynerchuk is the one who really puts it out there the best. He's mastered the document over create. I mean, his podcast is one of the biggest ones out there. And sometimes it's recorded on an iPhone in a plane just because he's got a thought. And I tell people all the time, I said, you know, your, your podcast studio, if you're starting a podcast, doesn't have to look absolutely perfect. Just if you have stuff to say, get out and start saying it. It's better to, you don't need to, have it right. You don't need to get it, have it perfect to get, to get it off, off the ground. You just need to get it going. You'll figure it out as you go along. All right. Howard Stern, getting back, I know I kind of harp on Howard Stern. If you listen to his first air checks when he was in Hartford, or crap, even in Hudson Valley, New York, was he perfect? No, he was beginning. He was new. He was starting out. We all got to start somewhere. And if you like do what you're talking about, where everything's got to be perfect or near perfect, you'll never get it going. It'll weigh you down. Like you said, it's analysis paralysis. If you said, if you, you know, people, I, I love it when I read these thre- threads of podcasters and say, well, it take, it's taken me five hours to edit my podcast. Well, crap. Are you doing a five hour podcast? <laughs> no, it's a half an hour. Why in the world is it taking you five hours to edit your podcast? Well, because I'm taking out all the breaths and all the uhs and ums. Oh, so you want to sound like a flipping robot? Is that what you're telling me? No, just speak. Just speak. People, if you, you know, 
there are ways that you're going to find to organize your thoughts when you put them out there in a podcast. And the more you listen back to it, that's the other thing. Are you listening back to your podcast? Are you listening back to them and reviewing the stuff you're putting out there? And, you know, you may cringe at it. In fact, I guarantee you will cringe at it. It's probably, yeah, I guarantee that your cringing will happen. You're either not going to like the sound of your voice. You're going to wish you did something else better. Trust me, man. In entertainment and radio and all these different platforms, everybody has to go through that. You can't get around it. And when you go through it, and with the, with the mindset of, okay, I know it's not perfect. It's okay. I'm going to take notes on how I can get better. Instead of editing out your ums and ahs. And so, and little verbal ticks and crutches that we all have. Try out a pregnant pause. If you notice all throughout this interview, I'm not frantically trying to fill every second with some sort of a sound. I'm pausing. That is a great trick. And what it does, it actually engages people a lot more because they start leaning in to go, dead air makes people nervous. Therefore, they get more engaged. Paul Harvey used to do it. Tom Likas, who was a kind of like a shock jock radio host for a while, he would spend 15 minutes of every top, every hour setting up a topic. And I swear out of that 15 minutes, probably four of them was silence. <laughs> he was a master of just engaging people with a good monologue setup without any us, without any ums. So for that kind of trick, I just tell people, look, if you're picking up a lot of different crutches, write them down, keep them in front of you and understand that when I have the urge to say, um, uh, so any of those little things, I'm going to stop and just be silent. Does that make sense? That makes perfect. <laughs> makes perfect sense. <clears throat> and I believe like, I know I'm guilty for this. I'm one of those podcasters that will spend five hours to give people the perfect, crisp, clean audio. And, uh, sorry, I got, had a phone call coming through and what we need to do is make the conscious effort of embracing our vulnerabilities. Mm -hmm. Thus in time that creates authenticity. Our weaknesses are our uniquenesses. <laughs> I can't take credit for that. That was from a uh, song done by a pair named Retin and Link. And uh, they're very funny guys. You'll find them on YouTube. I'll be sure to link to all this in the show notes. Yeah. Now you're taking show notes as you're interviewing me, aren't you? That's correct. That's always fun. <clears throat> Can I give you a little advice? Yes, sir. I would take your show notes. If you don't have anybody there actively doing it for you, mm -hmm. I would listen back to each and every show and take them then. Because you'll engage better with your, your interview instead of taking notes. Yes, sir. Because now, now, now your brain's pulling double duty. 
it, I'm only taking like, if it's like relevant information that we have to backtrack to, I try to write that down. Otherwise I get it. Yeah. And a lot of that stuff will be very apparent when you listen back to it and just make sure you're able to take notes, whether you're in the car or working out or something, you know, being able to take voice notes through your phone, you'll be able to say, well, around 33 minutes, 15 seconds in, you know, I said something about this and Jim responded with this. This is going to make a good little micro promo. And it really was a standout portion of the uh, show of that episode. But you want to be in the moment when you're interviewing somebody for sure. Cause that really kind of gets along, you know? Of course. No, I, I had a whole setup right here. And once you started talking, I'm like, yeah, forget what I have all these questions right here. I like, shoot Go ahead. I like this universal application, but it's it, all these questions that I have, they're, focus and driven towards voiceover and podcasting because it's, it's relevant right now with this whole pandemic that's happening. Everybody all of a sudden wants to be a podcaster. Yep. I'm not saying I'm just as guilty. I started February 4th, but uh, I was a radio operator for the military and I just really enjoyed going live on the radio, just broadcasting um, BDAs or troops in contact, just, I don't know. I felt empowering, but, uh, it's fun. Yeah. That's the thing is, is have fun with it, but have purpose and direction. If we're starting out, you know, one of the biggest faux pas I point out in podcasts are when I listen to something, I, I came across, I'm a big Avengers nerd and I came across a podcast where they were going over their thoughts on Endgame. And I was going, okay, I'll, you know, earmark that and listen to it. And it's three buddies talking about their takes on different movies. And it's kind of a movie reviewing uh, podcast, but I felt like I was mis- listening to the male version of uh, NPR, you know, very monotone, sweaty balls, that kind of thing. And I was going, I'm going, guys, I'd be, Get excited. Have, you don't sound like you're having fun with this. <laughs> you know? um, putting that little bit of animation in your voice makes it more fun for the listener. You know? And when I was listening to that particular podcast, I was going, all right, I'm really not even interested in hearing what they have to say about this. No, and that was about five, ten minutes in because they just sounded like they were bored. Um, you know, and the other aspect is hearing the amateur aspect. You're always going to get people who are going to sound amateur. That's just going to be part of it. But understanding how, okay, if I'm a regular regular listener, if I'm going to put myself in the shoes of a new listener, would I? when would I check out or would I stay engaged for this whole thing? That's, that's the question you have to always be asking yourself when you start a podcast, when you're doing anything. And believe you me, I've put out some crap over the years. So I'm just as guilty as as anybody. But you know what those things do? They serve to be there, you know, forever memorialized in time Mm -hmm. as a reminder of where you were versus where you are now. So it almost encourages you over time if you're really diligent and you continue putting stuff out you'll be able to look back on some of those things that you thought were absolute garbage, but be thankful for them that you put them out because now you have a basis for comparison. 
and it should really encourage you to keep going because you, you can hear the difference. You solve the, the audio problems. You maybe, you know, put a, uh, a weighted blanket over the window where the lawnmower is coming in, that kind of thing. Um, you, you got past every time you had a guest on, Hey, how are you? What's the weather out? Like, like, uh, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I can hear you. Great. Can you hear me? Great. What's it like out there? You know, all that kind of stuff. Just get to the meat and potatoes of what you guys are going to talk about. And I have air checks from 1997, 98, 99 that will probably make my skin crawl. I have voiceover demos that are still on my website <laughs> that I've been meaning to get around to and take down or revamp. That go, I'm like, you know, oh my gosh, I got to take these down. These sound awful. But I know I'm a lot better now <laughs> than where I was then. So don't worry about being, it's okay to be imperfect. Vastly imperfect. Because you're never going to really get to perfection. As long as you keep on moving forward and you want to strive for it, that's the, that's the point. Um, so, yeah. Do you think that's the biggest obstacle in marketing ourselves? Uh, marketing yourself, the biggest obstacle is the elbow grease and the work that goes into, uh, you know, listening back to your stuff and finding what I call micro promos, little nuggets of wisdom that provide a sample for those people who haven't yet heard of you or your show where you're saying something very profound that kind of swings the hammer, drives drives a point home, whatever. And you can do it in 30, 45 or 60 seconds. Mm -hmm. So you can put it on Instagram. You can put it on Twitter and all the different various sites so they can get a sample of what your show is about. And if they see enough of those over time, hopefully a lot, some of them will click down in the description box and you know, where you should be putting the link to the actual episode that particular piece came from and they'll start listening to your stuff. Uh, I think a lot of people, myself included, are fearful of putting stuff out there because they feel like they're bothering people. Um, it's something we need to get over mm-hmm. and reframe. If we think we're bothering people, we're probably not posturing it the right way. We're making it more about us. Hey, I've got a new podcast episode up. Go check it out. No. Why would I do that? What's in it for me? What am I going to get out of your podcast episode? Just because you have a podcast and you want me to check it out? Okay, I'll get around to it. But if you give me a reason, what's this podcast? This particular podcast episode is chock full of wisdom about the top five things you need to think about when you're becoming the CEO of You Inc. Oh, okay. And it's from somebody who's established in the real estate industry. You know, this person's got over 30 years doing this. He sold over a billion dollars worth of real estate over the time in his career. If you're getting into the business, here are the top five things that you need to know and really think about before you get into it. You know, and even in the description, maybe you break down the top five things that go further into it. This way they can say, well, okay, they talks about this, but point number three, what does that mean when he says, don't do the math? I, w- I want to know what that, does that mean I shouldn't, you know, understand how much I'll make? How long, how long should I expect to, I'm going to go ahead and listen to this. See what I'm saying? It's headlining. Don't you think like some of that's <laughs> just garbage half the time? Like when you type uh, in Google, top five on mm-hmm. 
uh, an effective workout, you get like over just a hundred different things. How and it's you, one of those things. It's one of those things that it could be a, a sales click funnel or yeah, all mm-hmm. that stuff, but it's, it may be something that is again, repetition and consistency yes. will break through those barriers. We've all got this thing called Broca's area of the brain. And it was a psychologist. I don't know when he existed, but he, his name was Broca and uh, he's, he identified a part of all of our consciousness <clears throat> that is actively on guard, filtering out any messages that aren't relevant to us. And how do you surprise Broca is the big, I call it look at your radio moments. <clears throat> Whenever I wrote copy for commercials, my first line out of the gate was something that better make somebody who's on the other end look at their radio. So I would creatively come up with something, and I'm, I don't have an example on the tip of my tongue right now. I'm sorry. No. But it was one of those things that I, <clears throat> I would try and think of a headline, you know. I think there's a, I've always said that there's a definite career pivot for those people in the newspaper industry that, that wrote headlines for years. They could certainly pivot into the internet and, and social media very easily by just providing their consultative services to podcasters or content creators. His headlines grab eyes, <clears throat> you know, yes. um, if you're selling BS information, like what you're talking about, underneath those topics, those top five, top three, whatever, mm-hmm. you'll get known for it. You'll become known for it. But I mean, repetition and frequency can overcome that. And, mm-hmm. you know, and good content and bona fide good content that's more them serving than you serving. And then I in time, the, you develop your social identity and become known for what you broadcast. Right. Right. And people will start associating that. That's it's marketing 101, okay? If I go to Walmart and they advertise the lowest prices, but every time I go in there, <clears throat> the lowest prices are in things that I don't need or don't much care about just to get me in this, you know. Okay, car dealership, perfect example. We've got the lowest prices around. We'll beat anybody's price. You know, don't buy before you come see us. Okay, Car dealerships have given themselves a bad rap over the years and become one of the most distrusted industries out there because of that kind of poppycock advertising. They, they were allowed to do so in a time where advertising was went one way and one way only and you couldn't respond to it. All right. Mm -hmm. Another perfect example is as of late, I saw the New York times posting about, you know, the next time you see misleading headlines about the coronavirus, know that you can get the truth from us. (laughs) Well, that's just inviting trouble right there. And all you would have to do is dive into the comments section to see, you know, a majority of people calling BS out on the New York times. Mm -hmm. So whether they did that for a purpose is one thing, or, you know, they're just planting a flag in the soil to be divisive or polarizing good for them, but it doesn't help their brand because they're trying to be a trustworthy news source and a majority of the people that are commenting don't seem to trust them. 
if you could sell trust and back it up in this day and age, you're going to be so much far ahead than everybody else. Trust is few and far between. So is truth. One thing's for certain in this day and age is we have no idea what the truth is. <laughs> but that's a whole other topic. Hey, Jim, is there a, an outhouse in the background? It sounds like somebody's just going in and out of the port john It's my seat that I'm in. It squeaks. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting in my little uh, office. I can go to a different room if you like. Oh, no, no. No, I just, I just wanted to put an image to what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, it's my squeaky chair. <clears throat> but that's a good image. Yes. I am going inside and outside of a pot, of a um, outhouse. <laughs> or, or a porta potty. <clears throat> it makes so much sense because I'm striving for my brand is to deliver the truth and mm-hmm. to go after the hard topics, but I want to do it in a way that breaks people's autopilot. Right. And I get nervous to the fact that what if I say something that offends somebody? What if it doesn't get the message across? What if it's misconstrued? But I, I have weird ways of how I would do stuff and it's not normal to people. To me, it's normal. But I know it's, it's impactful from what people have told me. I think people are afraid of offending other people when they can't back up or substantiate their claims, if that makes sense. So I think that might be an internal thing where, you know, why do I believe what I believe that might be controversial that I'm going to say? And can I back it up? Can I defend it? But then also understand the other's point of view and be open to change if possible. Sure. Sure. That's some, that's kind of a position that I have where if I'm wrong on something, I'll admit it. Being a staunch advocate of your own opinion is never really all that sexy. And there are people out there that won't back down from that. They're, you know, they'll never, well, I just know this is a way to do it. And that's part of the alpha male influencer generation that we're in. This is the one way to get rich. This is, this is what works. This is what, if you're doing it this way, it doesn't work that way. This is going to get, this is the big casino over here. This is, guys, there are a thousand and one ways to get rich. Okay. What may work for you may not work for somebody else. You cannot tell me that people did not get rich in the stock market. Now it may not be for everybody. And it certainly has been marketed to death over the past 40 years. And your way that you're trying to sell that counteracts the stock market may work for a lot of people. Time will tell. <clears throat> and I'm sure there's more than a thousand good cups of coffee everywhere. Of course. Yeah. And that's the thing is that, you know, we're kind of proving the point here that if you have a staunchly, a staunch position on, a, on something and you put it out there and if somebody has a problem with it and they bring to get, bring to, uh, new information to light, and great. That's a productive conversation. In fact, let's say you go ahead and you put a podcast out there that's an episode that's uh, a little bit uh, opinionated. Um, <clears throat> you're going to get people who agree with you. You're going to get people who don't agree with you. You can engage with them, and your engagement with the people who disagree will be measured against your character. 
and it depends on how you respond, will say everything. Yes. Um, and and uh, that will further determine your character. It will be much more of a relationship building because as I was in sales, if I had somebody who wasn't happy or was challenging us on something or I kind of, I, in the beginning, I would kind of run from it and say, well, I just don't want to deal with the negativity. I don't want to deal with the pushback or the, you know, path of least resistance, the best path. In fact, I started running towards those things because I am a good salesman. If I can then convert them to an advocate of me. So why not make it a challenge? So for example, if you put out something there that's very controversial and people are upset with you because of it, and some people are supporters of you, why not have them on as a guest to discuss it? You know, I agree. You make go, you know, so-and-so noob master 69, you make a lot of good points. Why don't you come on and let's do, let's break this down. All right. And the way you handle it, all the, you look at all the different news commentators out there. First, that's one of the things I talk about. First and foremost, they're in the entertainment business. Are you entertaining? Is your podcast entertaining? Is what you're talking about entertaining? And then informative, right? Sean Hannity, um, Rush Limbaugh, all these different guys that are out there commenting on politics. Whenever they have somebody, especially Sean Hannity, well, back when I used to listen to him and knew of him the way he would handle a dissenter had some, he, he was probably one of the more classy guys to be able to handle somebody. And because of that, he had listeners from both sides that would tune in similar to Howard Stern. It was just likable. First rule of sales is always agree. That's really expensive. Man, I, I absolutely. It is. I agree with you. Building the poor. Yeah. It's, it's pricey, but a man, that's a nice car. It is a nice car. Yeah. Do you want to wrap this up? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> People like it when you agree with them. I mean, it's, that, that's what builds rapport. A man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. That's why arguing on Facebook and social media will never work. <clears throat> Yet people still continue to do it. Of course, because it, it makes them feel better. There's pride and ego involved. It makes them feel better, ultimately. Um, I, this whole pandemic thing, I think, you know, to a certain extent, there might have been a coincidence or maybe a plan in place that Tiger King was released on or about the same time all this stuff started going down. All right. I don't know if you're familiar with Tiger King, but it is a circus of epic proportions to watch. And everybody was talking about it. It was a massive distraction to what was going on for people that were going through very tough times and getting into the beginnings of this. But what did the show ultimately do? It made them look at their own lives and say, you know what? I don't have it that bad. This guy is a nutcase. I'm not him, and that's a good thing. But I'll watch it. So it made people feel better about themselves. 
people go online and they argue knowing deep down they're not going to change anybody's mind. But it makes them feel better. That's ultimately what, maybe that's what uh, the social media is there for. It's a temporary for the high. Yeah. <clears throat> I actually, there was one person here in town who I, I, I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take you on. Whatever this, whatever you were, she was point she was putting out. I didn't even address the point. I said, look, what do you get out of this? And believe you me, I w- I've been guilty of doing this kind of stuff in the past. But what do you get out of this? Knowing that the next few hours of your day is going to be devoted to responding to people who disagree with you. Meanwhile, you can be doing so many different, more productive things with your life than arguing with, with strangers on Facebook whose minds you won't change. They'll be forming opinions, all right. Opinions about you. That's about it. Is it because you want to see how many people approve of what you say? Then it's a pride thing. It's an ego thing. Or do you really want to take on somebody to prove some point to somebody else how intellectual you are or how smart you are? You feel like you've won. Have you changed a mind? Or is it really just it makes you feel better? If so, then I guess go to town. What issue is just self-reflecting her own past transgressions? It's very possible. Sorry, there's the door to the uh, outhouse. <clears throat> it's entirely possible. I, I don't know her very much, but she's got a reputation online for being a pot stirrer. And whenever you, you start forming opinions and our creature of habit comes out in all of us when we start seeing certain people's names pop up on Facebook and instantly you go, Ugh, okay, that's done. let's skip past this. But at the same time, she's going to get people that say, Ooh, what's she saying now? What's going to really boil my blood? The Howard Stern effect. I'm going to engage with her because I want to see what she'll say next. And I guess we'll wrap this up on that. <laughs> We've come full circle. <laughs> so we can conclude with that. Any PR is good PR. In a way, yeah. <clears throat> you know, I say it's good PR if it, you know, mo- if it's able to be monetized and you're okay with people uh, throwing flaming darts at you. <sighs> yes. But I, I don't like, for myself, I don't, I don't like that. Only when I can defend my position. Well, let's wrap this up. I got a few questions. Sure. That I want my audience to be able to start implementing. Uh, What's the key action item or piece of homework that we, that you can prescribe out to the listeners who are struggling and becoming a voiceover podcaster or anything in this nature. I feel like this stuff is universal in its application. Find somebody to emulate and voiceover and podcast. Listen back to your stuff with an objective ear and take notes in every single instance of how you can get better and then apply it and be consistent. Yes. Yeah. I I, I will definitely do that. that. That's my goal. Um, 
you're just, you're spitting gold every time and it just draws me right in. I love Thank it. You. Um, what's, what holds you accountable every day? Me, my family. Um, if I, if I'm not doing something productive, I feel like I'm going to crawl out of my skin. Um, you know, that's why weekends are kind of tough for me. I feel like I've got to accomplish something during the day that is a small goal or a large goal. This way I feel like I've moved, moved the ball down the field, especially in this day and age. My family is counting on me to make a living. Um, and I am responsible for that. So I think seeing that every day for me reminds me to, Hey, get up, um, uh, put in the hours, you know, make sure that you're planning out your day, set the little goals that will make you feel successful at the end of the day, uh, map out how those little goals will accomplish the bigger goals over time. Um, and you know, don't be the lazy kid you knew you were when you were, um, you know, early teens or even late teens for that matter, who had no direction. That's what, that's what motivates me. And that's a personal thing that for everybody to find out, yeah. you know, identifying what they want and then, um, writing it down. I'm not good at that. I'm not good at writing down my goals. I understand what my weaknesses are, but they are my uniquenesses. Um, and just making sure I'm trying to get a little better every day and try and learn something new every day. That's something I feel like I don't do. I got I have to get back to learning something new. Every day. <clears throat> yes. And being honest with yourself. Lastly, yeah. where can our listeners get in touch with you? And what services do you offer for somebody who wants to go a step further than the advice that you just given us? Uh, Jim McCarthy voiceovers.com. You'll be able to follow me with all the different social handles there. And um, just a lot of, like I've, I've been saying, I'm, I'm really honing in my podcast production services uh, from intro and outro production uh, to overall podcast deployment production, the whole nine yards. So, Jim, I really appreciate your time. Sure. You just gave some life-changing advice to me personally, but also Thank to you. everybody here that's going to be listening to this podcast. I really appreciate this. No, nah, man, not a problem. Thanks for having me on. Let me know when it comes out and I'll share it. Yes, sir. Right on, brother. You've been listening to your transformation station, rediscovering your true identity and purpose on this planet. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope you've gotten some useful and practical information. Join us weekly on Monday for the YTS Challenge and bi-weekly on Wednesday for the exclusive interviews at 8 p.m. Central Time. In the meantime, connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at YTS The Podcast. We'll be back soon. Until then, this is your transformation station, signing off.